fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Vicious, brutal trolling, man. I am loving the way the Republican Party is right now because we just don't give a crap. We are out there shaking it up, pushing the buttons, making sure the other side is losing their minds. As I was just about ready to go on the air, I was scrolling through the Tweety, trying to share out the live feeds, let everybody know we're here, what we're doing, like we do every single day. I came across Congresswoman Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from the Georgia area. And what do I find as she gets prepared for the State of the Union address? None other than her walking down the congressional halls with a big white balloon. Oh, man. Oh, man. That, my friends, right there is trolling to the next level as she gets ready for the State of the Union. Well done. Well done. Got a whole her. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a fun night. we got a lot to talk about today. Welcome into the program on a post-Monday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the program, What's up? Welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Coming up on the program today, Congressman Bob Latta from the 5th District of Ohio. Kind of a convenient day to have him on as we talk about the State of the Union, the debt ceiling debate, China, the balloon, other things that are going on around the nation as well. Uh, we recorded it as usual this morning, which means we'll air part of the prog- uh, part of it on the program today. The rest of it will be up on the podcast, which I highly recommend that you check out because we do cover a lot regarding what we could expect from the State of the Union tonight. What's funny about the whole balloon issue is that we have Republicans showing the Democrats, and we'll play some audio in just a bit, Karine Jean-Pierre has come out and tried to make the claim that three different balloons uh, were flown into American air, uh, uh, airwaves uh, by the Chinese during the Trump administration. At the same time, she's trying to say that the balloon project from China is relatively new and that we don't know much about it, which is why we allowed the balloon to fly over the country, because we were surveilling it as much as it was surveilling us, because we don't know anything about these things. So we have that audio for you in just a bit that we'll get to. I'm curious is how much of this conversation will be had during the State of the Union tonight. Will Joe Biden actually mention the big balloon on what happened with the Chinese balloon, on whether it's important for our national security. or I'm very curious if he's actually going to mention it or not. Here's the crazy part. China now, according to Fox News, has actually requested the balloon be returned back to them. (laughs) Normally, normally if you shoot something out of the sky, it's ours. Not that it's very usable, except for we could maybe uh, reverse engineer it if we need to because we don't know what it's actually about. So we would take it, we would shoot it down, we would recover it, which we have. Uh, Yesterday we heard the story that the military was concerned about potential explosives within the balloon or certain toxins within the balloon if it was there for a malicious intent, which apparently there wasn't because we haven't heard anything of that sort since. But we've recovered it. We have it in our possession now. And the question still arises, and I'm sure that you're sick and tired of hearing about this is really stupid, a stupid conversation about a balloon. It is, because you would think that if a balloon that literally's entire purpose was to spy on us and watch what we're doing across the nation, 
that we would say, no, we're not even going to let it get into uh, American land. We're going to shoot it down in the Pacific before it actually reaches our soil so that we are, if we are concerned about it landing in a populated area and if there were a toxin in it or if there was a bomb in it, then we can actually make sure that we protect our people before it reaches that point. The Biden administration, on the other hand, says, no, no, we're going to let it do its job and then we're going to shoot it down and then we're going to confiscate it so then we can reverse engineer it. Well, now the Chinese... The People's Republic of China, according to Fox News, are requesting the return of the surveillance aircraft after the balloon was shot down on Saturday. As according to the report, Chinese Foreign Minister Spokesperson Mao Ning fielded questions about the incident, which dominated the news cycles. As they said, asking for additional information regarding the purpose of the spy balloon, saying, quote, the Chinese side has given information about the unmanned airshift on several occasions. I don't have anything else to add at the moment. But we want it back. The crazy part is I bet the Biden administration, Joe Biden, would actually give it to him as well. Well, you want it back in a good faith measure. You've spied on us. You've gotten all the intel. You've gotten whatever you wanted. Here you go. You can have it back. We'll go ahead and just willingly get over because we're puppets. I don't know, man. You think they're going to? That would be really interesting if they do just willy-nilly give it back to us That would or give it back to them. That would blow my mind, but it wouldn't surprise me all at the same time. With that, let's get into the big topic of the day. What's trending today? What's trending today? The State of the Union speech coming up in just a few hours. Do you have your popcorn and your adult beverages ready? I am ready to take a shot of an adult beverage or tea, whatever. I don't know. I'm still congested, which hopefully doesn't come across the airwaves that bad. I tried just before I went on the air. A little voice of reason. She loves doing this trick that if you're really congested, you apparently get an ice cube and you put it to the top of the roof of your mouth and it clears your sinus ways. I don't know if it's true. I tried it. It worked, I guess, a little bit while the ice cube was there. But now that I'm trying to talk, I don't have an ice cube, obviously, in my mouth. And I'm all congested again. So uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll continue to try and battle that. But uh, I, So I may take a shot of NyQuil as opposed to an adult beverage tonight. We'll see how the night goes. Kind of what mood we're feeling. Not quite sure. May take a shot of whiskey. May take a shot of NyQuil. Either one. We'll have a great night and we'll be able to sleep wonderfully by the end of it. I'm not really quite sure which one and which flavor we're going to go with tonight. The State of the Union, though, is going to be interesting because I don't know what the Biden administration is going to run on, what they're going to hype up, what kind of victory run and victory lap they're going to take, other than them trying to say the economy is doing well, which, is that true? Probably, probably not. Probably not. They are going to say that they've created, what, 500,000 jobs this last month for the month of January which they say, oh, great, you know, it's a circle lab. We were able to create great jobs. The economy's back on track. There's no recession going on. But is that really true? Well, what you're seeing, of course, is the uptick in jobs because they were artificially suppressed during lockdowns during the the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, I would submit these are also lockdowns that were continued by the Biden administration after the, the vaccines were developed. But look, you can expect the president to uh, take a victory lap, but what you've showed in your polling is people will say, I, I, I'm not buying it. I know back home in, in my district, which is just a little north of the DFW airport, we're paying $3.10 for regular gas. In February, in Texas, you know what that means? It's going to be $4 or $5 a gallon by Memorial Day. That's what people are feeling. You can't find eggs in the Walmart, but if you do... 
package of, or carton of 18 eggs is going to cost almost $10. This is what people are feeling. They're feeling it in their wallets and their gas bills and their grocery bills. And they're saying, I'm sorry, Mr. President, I can't keep up with your good times. That was Congressman Michael Burgess from Texas on Newsmax just earlier today as he's preparing for what the State of the Union may look like as well. And he's right. I mean, right now, imagine that, if you will. We have $3 average, three fifty, three sixty average for price of gas right now in February, the beginning of February. When the demand is relatively low, you're not traveling around the country. You're not going on vacation. You're not doing anything excessive except for going to and from work. So this is the baseline when gas is really low. And while the uh, stock market shows that oil's been floating really between $70 to $80 a barrel, it goes down to about $71, $72. Today we saw about a $3 jump back up to about $77 again today and some change that were, were fluctuating within that range. Why are we still seeing $3 gallons of gas here in Kansas? We went from uh, about two ninety nine up to three nineteen, and now we're back down to three oh nine in Wichita. I don't understand the fluctuation. It's kind of strange, but he's right. Once demand does hit in the summertime and Memorial Day and times people want to go on vacation and they want to start taking time off and go travel, we're going to start seeing massive prices in gas when the Biden administration is saying, oh, everything's great. The economy's awesome. Don't worry about it. Things are wonderful. Don't buy into the hype from the Republicans when we're the ones living it. As he mentioned, eggs, there's been a shortage of eggs. Now, granted, there was the avian flu that did partake in some of this. Then on top of that, the 7 to 8% inflation rates. Then on top of that, the Biden economy that just sucks in general. Uh, and they're wondering, oh, gee, egg prices are really high. Well, now CNBC tries to say that egg prices are dropping probably because of all the quote-unquote contraband coming in from the southern border. I don't, I'm just throwing that one out there. Maybe? Maybe? Oh, man. Maybe. Because, well, I, the contraband is up, what, 200%, 150%? So the eggs, the huevos coming from the southern border is saving our chicken sides. Thank you. I'll be here for the rest of the hour. So we have eggs that are slowly dropping right now, and they say that it's going to, I don't know why, because the demand's still high. I guess the demand's come down a little bit, but demand's still relatively high. You still try and have your eggs for breakfast on the weekends, don't you? I still make eggs on the weekend. It's expensive. I had to take out a second mortgage on the house in order to get them. But nonetheless, I got a carton of eggs in order to make breakfast on the weekends for my family. As they say that they've dropped near 50% since the month of December. For what reason? Because we haven't seen a demand drop we haven't seen anything radically change. In fact, the wintertime is where it's, I'm not the expert on chicken raising, although we did have about 20 chickens when I was a kid, that the wintertime, if I remember correct, is the time when they're not really producing a whole lot of eggs. The only place that I've seen an increase in egg production is some of those that do free-range chickens because they've realized that the food that they're buying on the mass is what's really keeping the animals and the chickens from actually creating eggs when you free range them and they can just eat whatever's on the farm guess what those are the ones producing eggs more so than anybody else which in hindsight in retrospect is actually a good thing because now we're seeing the economy come back down to a local level and i would say that's a good hit now when guarding to jobs the congressman's absolutely correct Five hundred thousand jobs for the month of January. Most of them in hospitality, which is great. They say it's one a half a million jobs, well above the hundred and forty, hundred and fifty thousand that was expected for the month of January. Cool. It's in hospitality. In uh, it's uh, hospitality and customer service. The industries that have been hit the hardest during COVID and the ones that have yet to come back from COVID. 
if you look at the graphs on how job growth has been since COVID-19 and everything took a dive, and then we slowly tried to click back up, and after we got rid of some regulations, then we had to battle the vaccine mandates, and we had to battle all these other issues from the COVID-19 pandemic, we're finally back to the point that we're steadily growing almost at a normal rate again as if COVID never existed. We're not above anything. We're not really below anymore. We're almost back to the normal growth as if we wouldn't have seen that blip in the first place and we saw that tra- that uh, slow, continuous line moving upward as if COVID never happened. That's where we're at. And the industries that were hard to hit the hardest with, leisure and hospitality and customer service, the ones that interact with the majority of individuals, the low-income or entry-level positions maybe with the bars and restaurants and nightclubs being a bartender or a waitress or waiter or some of those, those are the industries that are still hurt the hardest. Go to a fast food joint and see all the help-wanted signs outside there. Go to a Walmart with the door greeters and the customer service there and see all the help-wanted signs. Go to the local mom-and-pop shop restaurant and see all the help-wanted signs there. The economy's not back to where it was prior to COVID. This is a good first step, but we're nowhere near what we were prior to. But yet the Biden administration's going to hype it up. We've created 10 million jobs. We created a half a million just in a single month. Look how wonderful we are. We are the greatest thing since sliced bread, even with all the economists still saying 2023 is going to be slow moving. We're going to see a recession. Even statewide reports across the nation are saying, hey, statewide GDPs probably aren't going to grow this year. It's going to be stagnant, if not a slight tick downward. So how are they going to spin it for the State of the Union tonight? That's going to be the fun part. We'll continue this when we come back. Plus, Kareem Jean-Pierre with her comments on the latest balloon recovery efforts. Back after this here on The Voice of Reason. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. Hey, thanks for hanging out for a post-Monday celebration. I'm calling this SODU Tuesday, State of the Union Tuesday. What do you expect to see tonight with Joe Biden? How many, here's the over-under questions that we have for the night tonight. How many times is he going to say, come on, man? How many times is he going to blame Republicans for the debt ceiling just not automatically raising when we're already spending 100% of our GDP in the nation? How many times is he going to talk about the China Balloon. How many times is he going to talk about the job growth in this nation? How many times is he going to talk about egg contraband coming from the southern border? I'm curious about all these things. I'm very interested to see what's going to oh, oh, by the way, the speaking of the southern border, they are not happy. There's a new tweet out, by the way, from one of the Democrats on the House committees calling Republicans white nationalists, of course, because we want to secure the southern border and investigate why the Biden administration is not doing what they said they're going to do and actually secure constitutional duty to secure our borders and keep the nation safe. Let's do the inquiry. But but if we're going to sit around and talk about it and not do and not have any action on this to investigate and then proceed with normal due process rights for Secretary Mayorkas, then I think you're making a huge mistake because we just don't have the time. We can't go for another two years with five million people illegally entering the country. That was Congressman Andy Biggs talking about the southern border issues. That is going to be hopefully a hot somewhat topic from the State of the Union. The SODU speech tonight from Joe Biden. How many steroid shots is he going to need to stand up there for that hour to make his entire speech to say, come on, man. 
because that's what he's all about. On the front of the speech, by the way, regarding the China balloon, Karine Jean-Pierre in the White House was taking questions earlier and is trying to keep us somewhat informed regarding the balloon efforts. And as we mentioned, with China now wanting their balloon back, hey, thanks for shooting it down. We already did our mission. Can we have it back, please? And we'll probably give it to them by the end of the day. But yesterday they had made the claim, or a couple days ago they had made the claim, that, well, you know what, it's not that big of a deal because the Trump administration also had two or three balloons fly over the country from China at that point as well. She was called out on that during the Q&A and I lo- do you want to dance because she is a horrible dancer trying to dance around the issue and actually talk about what's really happening. Um, is this the first Chinese balloon that the U.S. identified flying over U.S. airspace under this administration? Um, so what I can say is that um, we have talked about uh, the China's and uh, China's balloon program. Uh, we have um, uh, generally on this, uh, the Chinese surveillance balloons program uh, has been around for some time. We even uh, we even briefed Congress this past August. Uh, so I don't have any specific on any other balloon during this uh, during uh, during this president's administration. But there has been a program that has been in effect. We have kept Congress uh, abreast on that. Uh, so, but that, I don't have anything more to, to to say or to share. Okay, so that's the first part. Was this the first time that it's happened under the Biden? Well, you know, again, while she has horrible fluff abilities, being able to just fill while she looks up her notes, she's got to read everything directly from the notebook as she's trying to, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, we know that it's been a program for a while, I guess, but I don't really know. Okay, it's been around for a while, but this is the first time that we've actually seen it happen or know anything about it. What about the Trump administration? How is it possible that this administration discovered um, at least three previous balloons that flew over the U.S. under the previous administration, but Trump officials didn't know it was happening. Yeah, so look, I think that, uh, and we've talked about this before, about how um, uh, the, when it um, when the PRC government surveillance balloons trans, uh, trans, trans, transited uh, the continental U.S. briefly at least three times, as you just mentioned, during the president's uh, prior administration, and once that we know of the beginning of this administration's, uh, but never for this duration of time, as we know. Uh, oh, yeah, well, it, it, as you mentioned, it, it, it happened three three times. It, it happened three times. We just don't don't know anything about it. And it wasn't for this long of a time, but it was still there. But I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. She's a horrible dancer, and she's a liar, liar. Congressman Bob Latta from the Fifth Congressional District of Ohio, right around the corner. Stay this here. is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Really happy to have this guy back on the program and has been a little bit as we kick off 2023. And they've been extremely busy up in Washington, D.C. already. And happy to have back on from the 5th Congressional District from the great state of Ohio. It's Congressman Bob Latta back with us here. Congressman, how are you, sir? Great today, and I hope uh, you're having a great year so far. Oh, absolutely. It's been fun watching what you guys are doing in Washington D.C. right now because man, you guys really hit the hit the ground running after, of course, the vote for Speaker of the House with Kevin McCarthy, which was fun to watch. It was very entertaining, and I'm glad that you guys were uh, really. I enjoyed the process being able to rein in some of that power and give you guys back 
some authority, which it sounds like has been very desperately needed. And it really worked because we've been able to see some really conservative bills come out of the House so far. Well, you know, we uh, made a promise to the American people with our uh, commitment to America, the things we wanted to get done. And, you know, things like uh, making sure that when babies are born alive during an abortion, that those babies need to be taken care of just like any other baby. And so, so born alive is one of these issues. It's like, it's like how, you know, what do you have to even think about that we have to have a piece of legislation to do that, but we have to. And, of course, we want to make sure that uh, we're, we're you're starting to rein in uh, the Biden administration. So, you know, the other thing we, we talked about was that we want to make sure that all of our committees of jurisdiction are, are holding oversight. Yeah. And that is so important. And uh, so I know I'm, uh, I serve on the Energy and Commerce Committee. So when you think of energy and healthcare, telecommunications right down the line, we're going to be doing that oversight. And the other thing is the rein in this out of control federal spending that we have. And because, again, uh, as you and I have talked in the past, with by the year 2030, if not before, we're going to be paying a trillion dollars a year just to pay the interest on the debt. <laughs> and if people wonder how we're going to do it today, I want somebody to tell me how we're going to do it then. We have to pay a trillion dollars. And next week, uh, members of the Energy and Commerce Committee, and we'll, we'll all be heading down to the border to see the disaster down there that this administration is not doing anything about. And the fentanyl crisis now that we have in, the, in this country, and we had a hearing already on that, on fentanyl. And because, again, we're, we're having about 300 people a day die from drug overdoses or as many of the people out there in the field are calling it drug poisoning every day. So yeah. we have a lot of work to do. And, of course, we saw over the weekend the ineptness of this administration when it comes to you know, taking down a spy balloon that they now acknowledge is, this has happened before. But, uh, you know, we've, we've got a lot of work to do in the next uh, few months. Yeah, there's a lot of work to do. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of different topics to cover. Let's start off with the balloon here from the weekend. I don't understand how the Biden administration can pat themselves on the back by saying that they did a good job when we allowed the Chinese to fly the balloon over the entire country and then say we're going to shoot it down after the mission is complete. Once it passes the country and goes into the Atlantic Ocean, then we'll shoot it down because we're surveilling it just as much as it's surveilling us. So therefore, we did a good job. You would think a good job would be to stop it before it actually got any information on the United States. But now that the job's done, we can pat ourselves on the back because it completed its mission and then we shot it down. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, and the, the real question is, you know, why? Uh, for the, especially with the Chinese, what they're doing. You know, it's really a test, in my opinion, because what else could it be? Because, you know, they've got spy satellites up there that can take a picture of your license plate from space. Yeah. And so the question is, is what 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 did they want to also do here? And I think it's really seeing what American reaction is out there. And uh, you know, I think that they found out reaction is pretty poor. And so when they, you know when we're talking and hearing out there that the communist Chinese are talking about, I mean, we saw a report uh, from a general in the last couple of weeks saying that you know China, communist China, could be attacking Taiwan within two years. Wow. And we all have to remember that uh, this administration and the president said that we are going to protect Taiwan. So it's, it's uh, you know, I think a, a, not just intelligence gathering on their part, but just really what what is the reaction of the United States and when certain things happen. And to watch this balloon drift over the country for just about a week, and then, you know, it's on every news channel uh, right off the top of the hour, and the American people are going to be scratching their heads. So, so it's like, 
okay, what is supposed to happen now? Yeah. Exactly. At the same time, I know you guys have been discussing different uh, pieces of uh, legislation, including at the statewide levels, as well across the country. Oklahoma has been really pushing this one is concerns with China buying up agricultural land, because for some reason, while we're dealing with, uh, you know, high prices of food and we have the agricultural crisis going on, we have a global shortage of food because of the whole Ukrainian and Russian deal right now as well. China is still trying to buy up our agricultural land for their own purpose. And it, it, it kind of came out from underneath us. I mean, what are we doing about this? And is that another concern with the communist Chinese trying to take over what's going on here in the country? Well, it's an absolutely correct point that you bring up, because uh, there's been a lot of discussion about this for years, uh, about the, what the communist Chinese are doing. And I think uh, that we have to do something about it. And so there's legislation that I'm, I'm signing on to about making sure on foreign ownership of U.S. farm ground. You know, coming from northwest central, and then also I go into uh, across northeast Ohio now because we're redistricting. But we, I have a lot of agricultural land there, and I come from ag backgrounds from my mom's side, and my wife's family are farmers. So, you know, we want to make sure that the United States is protecting itself. Because, you know, the one, the one thing they always say is if you lose control of your food, you've lost control of your own destiny. Yeah. And uh, we cannot have that happen. And so I think, uh, you know, when you look around the world, there's a lot of countries that pro- pro- uh, prohibit uh, foreign ownership of their land. And we've got to look at it here because, again, when you think that the Chinese right now uh, own $1 trillion of American debt, U.S. Treasuries, that, uh, you know, we don't, they're going to say that they can control our economy not only from the monetary side but also from the food side. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's shift gears a little bit to the economy. You had mentioned the debt ceiling. I know that we have the State of the Union speech tonight, which we'll get to in just a second. But right now, the conversation's ongoing with the Biden administration and Kevin McCarthy. The media, the Democrats in the Senate and the president, unsurprisingly, are blaming Kevin McCarthy for not compromising and just openly raising the debt ceiling when we've said that we're open to compromise as long as we look at a long-term plan and look at some spending cuts. The Biden administration says that that's a non-starter in the conversation, but yet we're the ones unwilling to compromise in some way, shape, or form. Do you think that Republicans can hold our ground, and even with the threat of a potential government shutdown, to hold our ground and say no more spending? Because we're already spending at a 100% of our GDP with our debt in the nation right now, which is insanely unsustainable, and they just want to continue to move forward, we have to draw a line somewhere, and I think this is the place where we have to draw the line, regardless of what the consequences are. Well, you see, this is, we're in a tough situation because, first of all, you know, we all know that the Democrats went on about a $5 billion spending spree in the last couple of years under President Biden. And this is just added to the, the, the uh, debt and the deficit and then that interest payment that we're all going to be facing here. And so, you know, I, it's really important that we as Republicans say, look, uh, yeah, it's just like one of the examples I heard, which I thought was a good one. If you give your kid the, the family credit card, and all of a sudden that kid over the weekend spends it up, you're, you're responsible for it. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, you know, we're responsible for this massive uh, spending spree. But what we have to do is say we're not going to we're not going to approve this unless we get some uh, guardrails put on this. And this is what we did back in 2011 to get the you know get things slowed down. And I think in this case, you know, I don't think Republicans are going to say we're going to go along with anything. And I think the American people are going to back us up on this, saying that we can't keep the spending up. And we've got to have some uh, criteria put there as to how we're going to start cutting the spending, because we just can't go on with this. Because, again, 
when you think of uh, having a $31.5 trillion debt today, and that, uh, you know, uh, last year the estimate was we're going to pay $400 billion to pay the interest on the debt. But, you know, in, in less than uh, seven years, we're going to be looking at paying a trillion dollars. So that's going to go up $600 billion in that short period of time. So we, we have got to get some guardrails on this because, you know, they always talk about national security, but I remember one of the generals on the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff saying that uh, the, probably the greatest threat to America is our debt. Yeah. Oh, very true. And I remember seeing you years ago out at uh, Tea Party rallies when uh, there was a concern about the finances of the country and how much spending we had under the Obama administration. And when the Tea Party was a big thing back then, doing rallies all over the country, I mean, we spoke about this exact same issue all the way back when, and yet it's continued to get worse, which is insane, which leads us up to what we could expect from the State of the Union tonight. Well, the Biden administration continues to hype up how great the economy is doing, all the jobs that he's created after the jobs report from January, how we had the lowest unemployment rate since the 1950s, and how great things are going. But at the same time, we're still floating at a 6.5-7% inflation rate across the nation. We see the tech industry especially cutting hundreds of thousands of jobs right now uh, with layoffs, and all the economic experts are talking about a recession for 2023. Where are we with the economy, and what do you think we could expect from the Biden speech tonight with the State of the Union? Well, I, I think you have to see the president up there patting himself on the back. Uh, what a great job he's done. But uh, over, uh, when I was home on Friday in the district, I was in one of my counties, and again, the number one issue I hear across my district is this, we can't find people to work. And so all of a sudden, if you can't find people to work, then you have run into a situation that, okay, now you're going to have uh, companies out there scaling back on the machines they buy, the uh, expansions, and they just can't do it. So, you know, when the president says we've got all these uh, people working, it's just like, well, you know what? We need to get more people working. And, again, what that means is we can't uh, have, you know, pay people to stay home. We need them to go to work, and we need them to be paying taxes on all this because, again, we're in trouble. And so, uh, you know, when you think of uh, what the administration has done to our uh, energy sector, in, a short, in such a short period of time, and you know, put, you know, just trying to kill it. And the next part of it's going to be is that uh, the president starts. Well, we need more high tech. Where are you going to get the rare earth minerals from? This is like when he always talks about EVs, electric vehicles. Uh, we only produce one percent of the lithium in the world in this country. And guess what? Uh, China is out there between eighty to eighty-five percent processing the lithium. So, uh, you know, all these things that the president talks about, it's just like, yeah, as long as somebody else does it, and somehow it can get to the United States, and there we're right back to our supply chain, that you have a very untrusted supply chain when you talk about communist China. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today for a post-Monday celebration. Thanks again to Congressman Bob Latta coming on the program. As usual, we recorded that interview a little bit earlier today. We were not able to air the entire thing here on the program. So if you want to hear more, 
which I recommend that you do because there's some really, really awesome content. We'll upload that as a special feature podcast, which you can find. Uh, it'll be nothing but just the full unedited version of that interview, which you can find on any of your favorite podcasting sites at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier on I don't know, iTunes and iHeartRadio and Spotify and TuneIn and Amazon Music, whatever else that you use for your podcast, like Google Play. I don't know what people use nowadays. I think it's all of them. So it's on all of them. You can also go to the website at HoosierReason.com. By the way, just a plug as well, that our newsletter has officially been released on the interweb. If you have received that yesterday morning, if you didn't, you can always go to our website and sign up at HoosierReason.com, H-O-O-S-E-R, no I in Hoosier, HoosierReason.com. You can sign up for the newsletter. It's completely free. We just send you a once a month newsletter with our blog on it. Our blog has also been published as an op-ed piece for Opslens as well, O-P-S-L-E-N-S.com, or their app that you can download, and you can read that piece. Uh, I really put some work into that one, talking about the debt ceiling, so you can read that uh, both on our website, and you can read it on our newsletter, and you can read it as the op-ed with Opslens that we've shared all over most of our social media as well. So there's a lot of content that you can get there, and then, of course, the podcast that's always there, which is this show after the show is done, and then any specialty episodes that we do beyond that and any different interviews that we have as well. All right, I want to do a rapid fire real quick for the last few minutes of the program. What's trending today? On what we could expect from the SOTU, the State of the Union speech tonight that you will be able to listen to on most of your cable TV networks. As uh, we can always speculate what the Biden administration is going to say, but what will Joe Biden actually say today? My biggest question, I think, is going to be, will Kevin McCarthy rip up the speech when it's all done like Nancy Pelosi did to Donald Trump? (laughs) I would be interested to see if that happens. He apparently not. He said that he's going to be respectful of Joe Biden, according to Newsmax, but that would be hilarious. Because why the hell not? Uh, we have higher standards than you Democrats. Just remember that, that we hold ourselves up just a little bit higher on that morality level. Even if we disagree with you and think you're complete buffoons, we're going to at least show you a little bit of respect for the office. Maybe not the individual. With that being said, what could we see? According to Yahoo Finance on the headlines today, what could Joe Biden talk about on the State of the Union speech Tonight, one of them, the topic number one of taxing the rich, as they call for a minimum tax on billionaires and quadrupling the levy on stock buybacks, items that stand little chance of passing through the divided Congress, but could resonate with some of the public, according to the mainstream media, because it's popular. You want to tax the rich people. We don't like rich people. Rich people are evil, so we're going to go ahead and tax them. That's point number one, how great the economy is doing, and we could do so much better, and we could raise the debt ceiling if we just tax the evil rich and the corporations even more. Which, by the way, are their buddies, so of course it's only going to be a certain few, and then everybody else is going to get some kind of tax break or just be looked at the other way with the IRS. Number two, the stump speech test run. As he plans for his 2024 presidential campaign, could he use this as the practice platform of how he's going to present himself and his legacy into round number two of running for president of the United States? That would be interesting. Biden aims to use the address to test drive his 2024 campaign message in front of tens of millions of voters who will be watching on television and begin chipping away at polls that show most voters disapprove of his presidency. This according to the Yahoo News. War in Ukraine. Biden invited Ambassador of Ukraine 
Oksana Markova once again to attend the event as we continue to support Ukraine. Of course, he's going to use that as the Republicans don't want to support Ukraine. We don't care about Ukraine, which is not true in any way, shape, or form, but that's what he tries to say. And therefore, we need to bring them to do the guilt tripping of how bad Republicans are for wanting to keep money in the U.S. and say, you know, where's the line drawn when it comes to the insanity in the nation? Policing abortion in guns. Of course, he's going to bring up the social issue of abortions because that's going to be the number one priority for them. That's all they can win on. Tackling fentanyl, I say good luck with that issue if that's what he tries to tackle because you suck at uh, enforcing the border. And until you actually get on that board, you're not going to be able to fix the fentanyl issue. So you can talk about them all you want to. It'll be hilarious. Get out the popcorn, get out the adult beverage or the NyQuil, whatever's your flavor of choice for the evening tonight. We'll recap it again tomorrow uh, for the program. Drew Thomas Allen, host of the Drew Thomas Allen Show podcast, will be joining us to help us recap that tomorrow again as well. Until then... We're out of time, my friends. It's been fun. Let's do it again. Same time, same place tomorrow. What do you say? This is the voice reason I'm Andy Hoosier. Be your own catalyst for change. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is the voice reason I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.